This is Women in Revival podcast. Today, we are continuing the series, Learning from Wives in the Bible. Our sub-series is Esther, When a Christian Woman Marries an Unbeliever. Today, Deborah will be talking to us about the woman Esther, who was married to an unbeliever. I hope as you listen to this, that God will touch you and he will help you change areas in your life that need to be changed. Deborah Shnabi will now take us further on this subject. Father, we thank you again for your faithfulness. Thank you for this series that we are starting. I am just praying that you will open it up for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Welcome to Women in Revival podcast. I'm so grateful to the Lord for the privilege He's given us to fellowship together, even as we look at ordinary wives, ordinary women in the Bible who were wives. And we have been learning one or two things from these lives. And um, I am praying that you will find it useful. You will not just listen and that is it, you know. You will take note and you will act upon action points that you need to act upon. We started this series, Learning from Wives in the Bible. And we've looked at about seven wives in the Bible. We've seen Eve, who was the first wife ever. And we saw Ruth, Anna, Abigail, Micah, and various women. And last time, we saw Jezebel, the wife of King Ahab. And we learned one thing or another from the life of this woman. So on this sub-series 8, we want to look at another wife. And we are dealing with Esther, when a Christian woman is married to an unbeliever. When a Christian woman is married to an unbeliever. And I'm praying that as we look at the life of Esther, we will learn again uh, what was her ordeal, what was the outcome of her ordeal, how did she allow the ordeal to affect her and her matrimony, did she allow her life and her matrimony to adorn the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or did she do otherwise? So it is my prayer that as we consider the life of Esther, you will find it a privilege and a blessing. So let us go and look at who is Esther. Who is Esther? We are going to read the book of Esther chapter 2 and we will take it from verse 5. I will stop wherever I need to stop. I will read from the King James Version and if I need to look at other translations, I will do so. We are reading from the book of Esther chapter 2, verse 5 to 7. If we need to look at other translation, we will do so. But for now, I am read, I will be reading from the King James Version. And it says, Now in Shushan the palace, there was a certain Jew, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. 6 who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity which had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful. 
Umodekai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. Now, I want us to quickly stop here. We are looking at who is the person of Esther that we want to consider. So first, we are saying that Esther was a Jew because we are being told his uncle Mordecai was a Jew, isn't it? So Esther also was a Jew and also Esther was from the family of Kish, the Benjamite. And now in verse 6, the Bible says, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away. So the parents of Esther were probably part of those carried away in captivity in the days of Jeconiah, the king of Judah. So I am not sure whether Esther was born in captivity or was brought into captivity. I don't know. But one thing that we are seeing is the fact that Esther became a Jew in diaspora. So she was no longer living in Jerusalem. She was living now in captivity. She was in Babylon. And verse 7 says, and he brought up Adassa, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. So Esther was the daughter of Mordecai's uncle. For she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, who Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So again, we are seeing that Esther was an orphan, her father and mother were dead, and also she was a beautiful young woman. And we are also told here that Mordecai took her hope. So her foster father was Mordecai. So all we are seeing from the life of Esther is the fact that Esther was an orphan. Esther was a Jew in diaspora. Esther was brought up by a foster parent. And Esther was a beautiful woman. And I was saying, I am not sure whether she was born in Babylon or she was brought into Babylon. But whichever one anyway, she lived in Babylon. And in verse 8 now of that Esther chapter 2, it says, So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace, to the custody of Agar, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house, to the custody of Agar, keeper of the women. So, when King Ahasuerus was seeking for a new wife to marry, when the decree went out that young beautiful virgin should be brought to the palace, Esther was one of those maidens that came into the palace of King Ahasuerus. So she was brought in to Hagar, the keeper of the women. Are you saying? So we have traced so far from the, from the scripture that Esther was an orphan, she was brought up by Mordecai. She was a beautiful young woman. She was a Jew in diaspora. So we are saying Esther was a Christian, but living in Babylon. Just as many of us know that we are living in Babylon. Our generation is Babylon. And then we are now saying that Esther was one of the virgins that were brought into the palace of King Gaasuros for the beauty competition, so to say. And I am praying that as we now look at the life of this young woman, may her life be a challenge to you as a wife. In verse 16, the Bible says, Esther was taken unto King Gaasuros into his house royal 
in the tenth month, which is the month Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. So we are now saying that Esther became the choice of King Ahasuerus. King Ahasuerus preferred her and he set his royal crown upon Esther's head and Esther became the queen. She became the next wife of King Ahasuerus. At this junction, the first wife of the king, Vashti, had been deposed. She had been sent out of the king's life and now a new queen was sought for the king and Esther was brought in into the picture. So Esther became the wife of King Ahasuerus. Now, it wasn't as if Esther went to enroll to be the king's wife, no. But as young fair virgin were being sorted out, she was also brought into the palace. So whether it was a wish or against her wish, we don't know. But she was, whether she likes it or not anyway, she must have been brought into the palace of King Ahasuerus. And before you know it, whether she planned to be a wife or not, she became a wife. And not just a wife, a wife to a king. And that is great responsibility. And it is my prayer that as we now come and look at the life of Esther as a wife, may the life of this young woman be a challenge to your own life. And particularly to you, my sisters, who are married to non-Christian. I know some of you met your husband before you met the Lord. And there are some of you who were actually in the Lord, but you still went ahead to marry a non-believer. But the matter now is that you have married, and marriage is for life. So we want to see how can you now allow God to help your life in order to help your unbelieving husband. I am praying that the life of Esther will throw some light into your heart and may you arise to be that wife who will indeed break the gap in the life of your husband as a Christian woman. Amen. This is Women in Revival podcast. Today, we will be continuing the series, Learning from Wives in the Bible. Our sub-series is Jezebel, Dealing with a Depressed Husband. And our topic for today is The Root of Depression in Ahab. Today, Deborah will be talking about Ahab's depression and the root of the problem. Ahab wanted to possess a vineyard that was owned by someone else. And so he was depressed because he could not take it. And we will see how to understand the root of depression in your husband. Deborah Shinobi will now take us further on this subject. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, even as we continue this series. I am praying that you will once again open our eyes 
to see open our hearts to receive what you will show us lord jesus help us to see what you are saying and help our marriage lord to reflect even the marriage that you want to see please lord jesus you know where every woman is struggling in their own matrimony and i am praying that you will step into it lord in jesus name amen so welcome back to this series learning from wives in the bible even as i welcome you back to women in revival podcast i trust that this particular series of our podcast has been a blessing to you where we have been looking at the lives of different wives in the bible if you have missed any episode do go back to our website www.okofrighteousness.co.uk and if you want to contact us our contact us page have every information needed to contact us on this series we started looking at sub series 7 jezebel dealing with a depressed husband last time we looked at who jezebel's husband was we saw that king ahab was a king he was the seventh king of israel he was a king that ruled the ten northern tribe of israel he was the son of omri he was the one who succeeded even his father after the death of his father and we saw that he was a king who was married to a princess so on this series we are now going to go on and see what we can learn from the life of queen jezebel the wife of ahab and we are dealing with jezebel dealing with a depressed husband we are bringing now this negative woman but to see what we can learn first jezebel was a princess and i think for me that pain to us that every genuine christian wife actually is a princess our god is the king of the universe so if you have a depressed husband you want to trust god for heavenly wisdom as to how to help that husband even as a princess of the most high god now today i want us to go on to day two as we consider the root of depression in ahab we want to look at the root of depression in ahab so we are going to look at the book of first kings chapter 21 uh, throughout the rest of this series we will be settling on this book of first kings 21 we might divert to other scriptural verses but first kings 21 will be our main scriptures so let us look at the root of depression in ahab let's go to first kings 21 verse 1 to 4 remember we saw when we looked at who ahab was yesterday that he was a wicked king he walked in the ways of jeroboam he did not walk in the way of the lord and now let us now go and see first kings 21 verse 1 to 4 let me read this time from the king james version and i might need to read from another translation and it came to pass after these things that naboth the jezreelite had a vineyard which was in jezreel had by the palace of ahab king of samaria and ahab spake unto naboth saying give me thy vineyard that i may have it for a garden of herbs because it is near unto my house 
and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid thee to me that I should give the inheritance of my father's son today. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my father's. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. Now, let me read that verse 21 in other translations. The New Living Translation says, So Ahab went angry and sullen because of Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat. So we are seeing the underlying reason for Ahab's depression. The root of Ahab's depression. And this is what I believe. For every depressed man, for every depressed woman, there is an underlying issue, which is always safe. Me, me, me. My this, this is not happening for me. That is not happening for me. What I want is not what I'm seeing. And to be honest with you, that is usually the underlying reason for depression because we tend to tend, turn our focus from God and focus it on ourselves. Oh, they are not doing this for me. Oh, they are doing this to me. I'm saying this because I know. So we are seeing the story of King Ahab, the husband of Jezebel, who went to Nabal and asked Nabal to give unto him even Naboth's vineyard. And Naboth says, and because Naboth's vineyard was close to Ahab's house, are you saying, verse 2 says, and Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house. So because Naboth's vineyard was near to Ahab's house, he was asking Naboth to give him that um, vineyard so that he can make it a vegetable garden. And honestly, Naboth had the right to say yes or no. But Ahab would not accept a no. So instead, Ahab became depressed. Ahab became angry. Ahab became withdrawn. Ahab will not take a no for an answer. So we see a king who was only concerned about his own need, about his own desire, about his own pursuit, not putting the feelings of Naboth into consideration, not putting the concern of Naboth into consideration. And some of you may be married to such husbands who are only concerned about what they want, what their pursuit is, not caring what the effect might have upon the family, upon you as the wife. You know, such was Ahab. He doesn't, he didn't care. And because he wasn't getting what he sought for, verse 4 says, Ahab went home sullen and angry. Because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestor. 
and he lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat another translation says the good new translation ahab went home depressed and angry over what Naboth has said to him he lay down on his bed facing the wall and would not eat are you saying these are some of the signs of depression he withdrew from people he withdrew from the public he went home depressed he was in his bed he will not get out of bed he will not eat because he has turned the focus upon himself and the amplified bible classic edition says and ahab already depressed by the lord's message to him came into his house more resentful and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said. So are you saying, because of what Naboth have said, Ahab returned home depressed. So we are seeing that the root of depression is self. It's me. I want your garden. You are not giving me. I want your vineyard. You are not giving me your vineyard to get to make it into what I want. Then the man became depressed. And maybe this is the situation in your own marriage. If your husband is not getting what he desired, he turned inward. He turned to himself. He becomes depressed. He becomes whatsoever. I want to say to you that if Jezebel knew how to approach his depressed husband. If Jezebel knew how to help his depressed husband, how much more you? May the Lord give you the wisdom needed, even in those moments when it looks as if your husband has caved in into depression. May the Lord give you the wisdom you need when it looks as if your husband is not willing, is not ready to accept even your input. May God give you the wisdom you need to help your husband in moments of dire decision making when it seems it's not, it's not taking into consideration the effect or, the, or what the effect of his decision will make. I am praying the Lord will help you to be able to step in in wisdom to help your husband. I want you to know the root of every depression is self. It's a focus on me. Well, I desire this job. The job did not come through. Then I, I just crawl in into myself. Oh, I desire this. This is what I thought would be because things are not happening the way I expected them to be. Then I shrink in. Depression, yes, it's a medical condition. But now, Looking at it biblically, the underground reason for depression is because I am focusing on myself. I am focusing on what people are doing to me, on what people are not doing to me. I am focusing on what do people ought to do for me that they are not doing. It is because I am focusing on what is happening with others that is not happening with me or what is not happening to others that is happening with me. So depression comes when we shift our focus from God and shift it on what we should get or what we shouldn't get. So I am praying that the Lord will help you to be a wise woman who will step in in wisdom to help your husband, not judging him, not pulling him down, but standing as the help 
that he needs even in his moments of depression. Amen. This is Women in Revival podcast. Two days ago, we continued the series Learning from Wives in the Bible. Our sub-series is Esther, when a Christian woman marries an unbeliever. And our topic for today is a challenge against Esther and her people. Esther was put in a difficult situation. Her and her people, the Jews, were about to be killed. And the person who had indirectly caused all of this was her husband. What was she to do? How did she handle it? Deborah will help us answer these questions as we continue this sub-series. I pray that as you listen to Deborah, that God blesses your heart and helps you to live as a Christian in this unbelieving world, even if your husband is an unbeliever. Deborah Shinobi will now take us further on this subject. Father God, we thank you for the privilege you've given to us to look at the lives of these women as wise lord and i am praying that as we get further into this series you will yet open our hearts open our mind to receive your word and that we will arise from this series to do what we ought to do even in our own marriages amen welcome back to women in revival podcast i am praying that may this series be a blessing to you as we journey through it we are still on the series learning from wives in the bible marriage is god's baby as i usually say to people and if marriage is god's baby for us to fully understand marriage and to thrive in our individual marriages we need to know the mind of god we need to go back to god so that is why we are looking at various wives in the bible that we can glean that we can learn from their own lives and we are on sub-series 8, Esther, when a Christian woman marries a non-believer. And I am, I am praying that as we journey through the life of Esther, may your heart be challenged. Maybe your husband is a non-believer or maybe yours is actually a believer but not a mature Christian. I am praying that yet you will learn from the life of Esther to see how you can undo, how you can deal with your own husband. Today, we want to go ahead now and look at a challenge against Esther and her people. We saw who Esther was. We saw who Esther's husband was also. We saw Esther's husband was the king, yet he was a husband whose intimate relationship with his wife was impaired. He was a drunkard. He was a waster, money waster. I don't know how we can go on and on to describe this man, yet we will see how Esther fitted into the life of this man you know genesis 2 18 is coming to my heart god says i will make an help fit suitable a help that will meet the life of this man and i believe that is what esther did she keyed in into the life of her husband and she was able to help this man now so let us go and look at the challenge against esther and against esther's people we are going back again to the book of esther chapter 3 and we are reading verse 8 to 15 and it says 
And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. Are you seeing? Now this was after King Ahasuerus had married Esther. And then the next thing was that Haman, who was the enemy of the Jew, Haman, the son of the Agagai, the king that King Saul refused to kill. Now, one of his future children is Haman. So, Haman was now promoted by King Ahasuerus. And we are seeing he's carrying out his official duty. The first thing he wants to do was to get rid of the Jews. So the Bible says, Amen told the king that there are a group of people, they are not useful to the king. They are not profitable to the king. So it is better the king deals with them. And these are the Jews, the people of Esther. And verse 9 says, If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have, that have the charge of the business. To bring it into the king's treasuries. Are you saying? So a man is now bargaining with the king against the people of the king's wife. And that means this decree will also affect Esther, the wife of the king. And verse 10 says, And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Amadeta, the Agagite, the Jews' enemy. And the king said unto Haman, the silver is given to thee, the people also do with them as it seemed good to thee. Then were the king's scribes called on the thirteenth day of the first month, and there was written according to all that Haman had commanded unto the king's lieutenants and to the governors that were over every province and to the rulers of every people of every province according to the writing thereof and to every people after their language. In the name of King Ahasuerus was it written and sealed with the king's ring. So here is now a decree, a great challenge for Esther and for the people of Esther. A decree has been made with the seal of Esther's husband against the life of Esther and against the life of Esther's people. And her husband did not know that he had signed off the life of his wife and the life of the people of his wife. Such was the man Esther was married to. A man who will not discuss his political issue with his wife. A man who will not discuss his business matter with his wife. A man who will not seek counsel for his wife. Such was Esther. And now a decree is made against Esther and against Esther's people. And this decree is now sealed with the king's ring. Verse 13. And the letters were sent by post into all the king's provinces to destroy, are you saying, to kill and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the 13th day of the 12th month which is the month other, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, that they should be ready against that day. The post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment. Are you saying? And the decree was given in Shushan, the palace, 
and the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city Shushan was perplexed. Wow. Esther, the wife of King Ahasuerus, did not know. The husband did not tell her what he was into. Her own husband wrote a decree against her and against her people. Her own husband signed a signature against her without her consent. Her own husband formed an alliance with many other people. He formed an alliance with Amon, but not with Esther. Now her husband had signed her off as written a death sentence. So we are seeing Esther, the wife of Aceros, facing a great challenge, both for her life and even for her people. And I don't know what step your own husband may have taken that has affected you, that has affected your children. I want you to know that if God could give Esther wisdom as to how to tackle the situation in a matrimony, God can help you. If Esther could be married to a man who have set Esther up now for sudden death, if Esther could be married to a man who could sign something that means the death of Esther and the people of Esther, and yet Esther did not nag such husband, Esther did not quarrel such husband, Esther did not get into depression, but Esther undid it with the wisdom of God. I say to you, God can help you, regardless of whatsoever is facing you. Maybe your husband also doesn't discuss things with you. He takes his action. He does his thing by himself. He doesn't acknowledge you as a wife. He felt he doesn't need your help nor your role in his life. I want to say to you, may the life of Esther show you how to deal and how to relate with such a husband. When we come back, we come and see what Esther's response was. And I am praying the Lord will also give you wisdom as to how to respond to the challenge of relating to your husband and to all his mistakes. Amen. This is Women in Revival podcast. Three days ago, we continued the series, Learning from Wives in the Bible. Our sub-series is Esther, when a Christian woman marries an unbeliever. And our topic for today is her response to the challenge. Today, we will see how Esther responded to the challenge against her and her people, how she took this before her husband, and how she begged him to help her. Sisters. Maybe you're in a situation where your husband is an unbeliever and he hates you going to church or praying. I pray that as Deborah speaks, you'll get tips for your life. And even if your husband is a believer, sister, this world we are living in is a terrible, unbelieving world. A world which seeks to persecute those who strive after righteousness. I pray that as Deborah speaks, this will help you be able to put into practice how to be a Christian 
in the face of unbelievers. Debrashnabi will now take us further on this subject. Father, we just thank you once again for the continuity of this series. And it is my prayer that you will engage every listener and that you will plant into the heart of every listener the truth that is in your word, even as we continue to look at the lives of these various women. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I welcome you back to this series of Women in Revival podcast. We are still looking at the life of Esther when a Christian woman is married to a non-believer. And I will say maybe for you, actually yours is a believer, but not a matured believer. And I'm saying there is a way out. God is able to make you his emblem of light, even to that husband. So we have seen who Esther was, and we looked at her husband. And last time we saw the challenge against against Esther and against the people of Esther. Her own very husband assigned her off, assigned her people off for doom, for death. Yet Esther knew not. Her husband did not discuss with her. Even her husband actually did not know that he was selling off Esther and Esther's people. So we can see that there was a communication problem in Esther's marriage to her husband. Her husband does not, will not communicate what is happening in his life, in his government with his wife. He is a man of his own. He felt he did not need the input of Esther. So to say, your husband is like that. You don't know what happens with his work. You don't know what happens with his finance. You don't know what is happening with his life. You are just living in the same house where you ask. You are not getting as much information that you need. I want you to know that God can lend you help. So today, let us go and look at her response to the challenge. Esther's response to the challenge. So we are going to read the book of Esther chapter 4 verse 16 and we will read chapter 5 verse 1 to 3. So let us read. Now this is Esther's response. After Esther heard even from her uncle Mordecai what the decree was against Esther and against Esther's people. Maybe we should actually go back to verse 8 before we move on. So the Bible says, also he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given as Shushan to destroy them, to shew it to Esther and to declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make requests before him for her people. So we are saying that even Esther who lived in Shushan the palace did not know that there was a decree made against her and against her people. So her uncle now sent to Esther a copy of that writing and he was now saying to Esther to go in before the king and make supplication on her people's behalf. Mordecai probably expected Esther to have a very solid relationship with her husband, but unfortunately it is not so. And then in verse 11, Esther said, look, everybody knows that nobody goes in before the king if such a person is not called. So Esther knew her husband. She knew her husband's lifestyle. She knew her husband's approach. And she kept the boundary. 
So Esther said, this is my husband's boundary and I wouldn't want to offend him. I wouldn't want to go beyond what he demanded. So Mordecai sent another word back to Esther that, look, if you don't go, don't think you will escape. And help will actually come for the people of God. And Esther said, well, even though I have not been called to see my husband for over a month, are you seeing not having access to her own husband for 30 days? Such was the man Esther was married to. So Esther took up the challenge and said, well, I will not hold my peace then. I will go in before the king. But before I go in, now let us read verse 16. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me. Are you saying? And neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So we are seeing Esther now, you know, arising to tackle the challenge that faced her in her matrimony. There was an issue before her which affects her marriage and it affects her relationship, her relatives. You see, and sometimes situation arises like that. Situation between your in-laws and you. Situation between your family and your husband. So we are going to see how Esther undoed even the situation. How Esther responded even to this challenge. The first thing we saw was that Esther had an older person in her life. She had someone whom we refer to as a disciple. Somebody she could talk to, Mordecai. Mordecai was the one who raised her, isn't it? Even after marriage, she was still in communion with Mordecai. So when she was now in a time of trouble, she could say to Mordecai, gather the people on my behalf. And also, you need an older person in your life. Somebody who can say to you, Esther, I will be praying for you. Esther, let's take a two days prayer time. Esther, let's go into three days of fasting on this matter in your husband's life. You need a godly role model as a wife. So Esther said to Mordecai, gather the, the people, let them fast for me. So she said, pray for me. I need people's prayer at a time like this. And I don't think it is wrong for you to seek for prayer when you are going through difficulty, even in your marriage. You just want to be careful as to who and which group of people you are asking for prayer. You don't want to be asking for prayer to people who will be spreading information about your husband about. So you want to be very careful. So Esther asked Mordecai to pray for her and that she also will pray. She said, I also and my maidens will fast likewise. So we are seeing that the way Esther responded to this challenge was to seek collaboration with a disciple and also to ask her, Pray for me, fast for me, and I also will be fasting. So we are seeing that she did not only seek for prayer support from her disciple, from her role model. You see, she also sought the Lord even in prayer. So whatsoever challenge you might be facing as a wife of an unbeliever or as a wife of a believer who don't fully understand what it means to be the man in the marriage, can I say to you, you can pray. 
you can fast for his life. You can pray for God to mature him. You can approach God in the place of prayer. So when the challenge came, what Esther did was not first to break protocol. No. And unfortunately, many of us wives, we are breaking our husband's protocol. And the more you advance against his protocol, the more strong fence, solid fence, hard fence you are meeting. So then that means your harshness will not solve things out. So you want to humble yourself first before God, just as Esther humbled herself before God. She went before God in prayer and in fasting. She went to soften her husband's heart first in the place of prayer. Now we will see what she did after she had prayed and fasted. Verse 1 to 3. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on a royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house so what are we saying we are now saying that esther having prayed esther having fasted she dressed well she put on a royal apparel she did not forget the fact the fact that she was a queen whether her husband treated her as one or not was not the matter she dressed as a queen and she approached her husband as a queen so she put on a royal apparel she followed protocol and then she went before her husband the bible says she stood in the inner court of the king's house she stood across the king's hall you see she did not just go straight away she went systematically so she went and stood from afar so her husband saw her from where he was sitting the bible says and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house so he saw esther from afar and verse 2 says and it was so that when the king saw esther the queen standing there in the inner court he welcomed her king james says that she obtained favor in his sight and the king held out to esther the golden scepter that was in his hand are you saying so esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter so what are we saying the way esther approached this challenge was first to approach god and she surrounded herself with praying people godly people who will also be praying along with her and having prayed and fasted having committed the heart of her husband unto god's hand she then went in before her husband wearing the right apparel that she needed to wear and when she came before her husband her husband extended even his golden scepter unto esther and the bible says esther jr you see when esther was given an audience with the king esther did not start crying and become emotional and say oh, my husband you are such a wicked husband you know you are such and begin to use all sorts of words to address her husband and begin to say to her husband for the past 30 days you've not called on me you've not asked me in you've not done this you've not done that and make all sorts of excuses no not esther when the king extended the golden scepter to her she touched it 
she moved closer so what is that saying to you for you to approach your husband your unbelieving husband or even your believing husband bear an immature husband you want to take him before the lord in prayer and as you receive the go ahead to approach him over a matter over an issue over a situation you want to do so with a humble heart you want to do so with a meek heart and as you approach him, don't go and be talking about, you know, you've not been there for the family. You've not been taking care of me as your wife. You've not been doing this. Trust God for wisdom. Oh, thank you, sweetheart, for this privilege you've given me for us to have this time together. I do appreciate it. I long for more of this and I'm very, very happy that you gave me this privilege. You know, your approach matters. How you talk to your husband, how you talk with your husband matters a lot. And in verse 3, the Bible says, Then said the king unto her, unto Esther, What will thou, Queen Esther? And what is thy request? It shall be even given thee to the half of the kingdom. Are you saying? The king called his wife, Queen Esther. I love that. My queen. So when Esther did writing, she got the right to response. And I'm praying that as you also approach your husband, over any matter, over any request, over any challenge or challenges that is facing your marriage, may you receive wisdom from God as to how to go about it and how to approach it. Maybe your husband has been making many silly decisions. Maybe he's been going about with different women messing about, you know, misusing the family fund or whatsoever. Go before the Lord, before approaching him, before discussing any issue with him. First, discuss it with the Lord and then seek for opportunity to talk to your husband and trust God to give you the right comportment and the right composure to compose yourself well before your husband and the right words to say. And I am praying that may you be a wise woman who will build a house upon the solid rock, which is the Lord Jesus. Amen. This is Women and Revival podcast. Four days ago, we are continuing the series Learning from Wives in the Bible. Our topic for today is her initiative. Today we will see that Esther had initiative. She came up with a plan to be able to conquer the wicked challenge against her and her people. There's a verse in the Bible that says that the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of the light. Esther, however, disproved this by taking initiative. And where does she get this initiative? From the Lord. We can be wiser than the children of this world if we use the Lord's wisdom. I pray that God will help you as you listen to this series and that he will help you where you need to make changes in your life, that this sub-series will have blessed you. Deborah shouldn't be. We'll now take us further.
on this subject. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the continuity of this series and it is my prayer that you will use it, Lord, to mend our marriages, to mend the hearts of many women, that you will help us, Lord, to learn from the life of this young woman called Esther, that our homes, O oh Lord, will become your place where you can reign, Lord Jesus, that you will make us wise through whose life you will get into the life of our husbands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen. Welcome back to Women in Revival podcast. We are still on the series, Learning from Wives in the Bible, and we are still undergoing the sub-series number eight, Esther, when a Christian woman is married to an unbeliever. And we have seen Esther's ordeal. She was married to an unbeliever, and then her husband has now made a decree against Esther and against the people of Esther. And last time we saw that Esther sought the face of the Lord, and then Esther approached her husband and she comported herself well. Her words were good. She, you know, she approached the king under the right protocol. And I'm praying that you also will be wise in approaching your own husband. So today, day five of this particular series, let us look at Esther's initiative. What were her initiative in resolving the challenge that she had with her husband? This was a husband that did not necessarily have time for her. You know, for 30 days, she hasn't seen her husband. Let's see what were the initiatives she employed in order to resolve the issue that was facing her in her matrimony. First, Let's read Esther chapter 5. We are going to read from verse 1 to verse 8. And let me read from the New Living Translation this time. And the Bible says, On the third day of the feast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace, just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance when he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court. He welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her, so Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Verse 3, Then the king asked Esther, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Are you saying? So Esther having approached her husband, her husband was offering her half of his kingdom. And verse 4 says, And Esther replied, If it pleased the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. Then the king turned to his attendants and said, Tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. Amen. Before I move on from verse 6, I want to stop here for a moment. So we see Esther now having been given audience by her husband. Her husband said, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. But Esther was not seeking for kingdom. She was seeking intimacy with her husband. She was seeking a marriage to be proper. She was seeking help for her people. So what was her initiative? First, we are seeing that Esther called a banquet. You see, Esther knew that her husband was a man of food. She knew her husband loved banquet. She knew her husband loved drinking. Now, I'm not saying go and be getting your husband alcohol to drink. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying now be conducting parties 
wide parties in your home. That is not what I'm talking about. But what we are seeing, as we keep seeing in the case of Esther, was that she engaged her husband in banquet. From verse 6 now, you will see the Bible says, And while they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, Now tell me what you really want. You see, even the king knew that what Esther wanted was not just that he come for the banquet. So the king said, I will give it to you even if it is out of the kingdom. And Esther replied, This is my request and deepest wish. Are you seeing Esther? This is my request and my deepest wish if I have found favor with the king. And if it pleases the king to grant my request and do what I ask, please come with Amen tomorrow to the banquet. I will prepare for you. Then I will explain what this is all about. Wow, I love this woman. This is a woman who had studied her husband. She understood her husband. She knew my husband loved banquet. And she made her home a place of banquet. It's so, so unfortunate that we have many Christian wives. You are not engaging your husband. You know what your husband likes. I know what my husband likes. I know. And you know yours. And in moments of difficulty, you are not looking at, how can I get the heart of this man? Seek God's face, like I said. And do you see the wisdom God gave Esther? What the king loved was what Esther proposed to the king. And it is my prayer that you will also be a wise woman. Some of you, you are saying to your husband, I don't care what he's asking for. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. If what your husband desires is not sinful, why can't you submit? Esther knew her husband loved banquet. And she made room for that. She created a 30 pence banquet for herself, her husband, and a man. And even when the king asked her, what do, you, what do you really, really want? What did she say? She said, come again to another banquet. And there I will explain what this is all about to you. Now let's go to Esther chapter 7. As we look at the second banquet. The king and Amon went to Queen Esther's banquet. On this second occasion, while they were drinking, the king again said to Esther, Tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. Verse 3. Queen Esther replied, If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. For my people and I have been sold to those who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. If we had merely been sold as slaves, I could remain quiet, for that would be too trivial a matter to warrant disturbing the king. Who would do such a thing? King Zazis demanded. Who would be so presumptuous as to touch you? Are you seeing? <laughs> oh my God! Esther replied, This wicked amen is our adversary and our enemy. I will stop here. So we are seeing Esther, a woman married to an impulsive husband, a woman married to a drunkard, a woman married to a man who did not have time for her. And here, she's capturing even the heart of her husband. She used the banquet, meal, table time, as a means to get her husband. 
she created that special banquet for her husband and for heaven and when her husband finally get to the root of the trouble do you see how esther spoke in verse 4 it says for we are sold i and my people but if we had been sold for bond men and bond women i had heard my tongue although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage are you seeing she saw that what a man was doing the decree that was written was actually to the damage of the king so it is my prayer that the lord will help you to see the damage of your lack of initiative as to how to help your husband is the damage will be to your husband esther knew that if they were destroyed she and her people her death will be a damage to the king esther used banquet as a means to bring her husband to what is happening and as a wife when last did you cook for your husband when last did you give him his favorite meal when last do you do you create a table time just for you and your husband when last did you you know set the table garnish your food and invite your husband to come and wine and dine at the table when last did you treat your husband as a king indeed in your home you know some of you you don't even dish food for your husband anymore it takes other women to serve your husband your children serves your husband which is good i'm not saying it's strong mine help me also sometimes but think of at least once in a while dishing your husband's meal serving him sitting down with him and eating together actually one of the things with my husband when i've served because when i serve everybody i am the last person to be served and my husband will not eat until I'm, I'm, I'm sitting down. Even if I've gone to the kitchen, getting other things, and I'm saying, people, please start eating, my husband will not eat. And my children will say, he will not eat unless you sit down. <laughs> and until I sit down indeed, and then we eat. How are you using your table time as a means to engage your husband? When last do you cook delicious food for your husband? Maybe for you, your husband doesn't like eating your food. Maybe because he find one excuse or another about how you cook. Why don't you go and learn how to cook? If it means, that is why I say you need an older woman. If it means, honestly, going to a cookery school to learn how to cook properly, do so. If it means asking other ladies to teach you some particular meal, do so. Maybe you are married with someone from another culture and they have their own type of, you know, delicacies and whatsoever. Learn how to cook that and cook it for him. It is my prayer for you that you will be a wise woman who know how to use food, you know, to make friendship with your husband. I am praying that the Lord will give you the initiative that you need to get your husband and i'm praying the lord will give you the wisdom to help him and to help your matrimony amen
This is Women in Revival podcast. One week ago, we continued the series. One week ago, we continued the series, Learning from Wives in the Bible. Our sub-series is Esther, when a Christian woman marries an unbeliever. And our topic for today is contrasting Esther and Vashti. Today, Deborah will be contrasting Esther, the second wife of Ahasuerus, and Vashti, the first wife who was deposed. Today, Deborah will be helping us see how and why Esther succeeded in her position as queen, how and why Vashti did not. She will contrast their differences and show why in the end Vashti was deposed and Esther was not. Sister, I pray that as you listen to this, you will learn that the key to Esther's success was not her wisdom and was not her words, but it was her God. Deborah Shinobi will now take us further on this subject. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this series and how we've seen you help us so far. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for our marriages and the interest you have in our homes. Lord, we praise you. We exalt you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we want to thank God for allowing us to journey together throughout this series, learning from the wives in the Bible, and particularly this sub-series 8, Esther, when a Christian woman is married to a non-believer. We have seen who King Ahasuerus was. We saw that he was a king of many provinces. He was rich, but he was a kind of abuser, so to say. Look at his relationship with his first wife, Vashti. And we saw that the king Ahasuerus was a type of king who would discuss his family affairs with friends and take decision on his wife, even with people outside his marriage without the wife knowing. We saw that in Ahasuerus. We saw that king Ahasuerus was that type of husband who would not sit with the wife, you know, to discuss issues together but instead he may gather friends around you know maybe go to a pub or a party and discuss issues about his wife and we are now seeing this same man now how esther saw the face of the lord and received the initiative in capturing even her husband's heart and now today we want to go and contrast esther with vashti because some of you wives you are saying well i can't take that i can't do this but unfortunately if you don't allow god to humble you in order to be of help to your husband another woman that is of lesser beauty that is of lesser privilege than you will step into your matrimony and manage your husband better than you will so that is why you want to sit up and humble yourself that God help you so that you can be of help to your marriage. So the same man that Esther married was the same man Vashti married and Vashti could not last long even in that matrimony. Let's go back and read Esther chapter 1, 11 and 12 from verse 10. Let's read it from verse 10. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bista, Habuna, Bigta, and Abakta, Zeta, and Kakas, 
the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king to bring Vashti, the queen, before the king with crown royal to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned in him. So we are seeing Queen Vashti in marriage with this same man Ahasuerus. King Ahasuerus asked for Queen Vashti to be brought. Not that the king went to the queen and said, Come, sweetheart, now we want to go and dance together on the stage so that you know. But for Vashti, the king sent people to go and bring her down. As if her thoughts, her emotion, her feelings was not taken into consideration. All I want is me. I just want her to come and show her beauty to people, and that is it. And the Bible says Vashti refused. Vashti refused the king and because of that she was deposed. She was sent out of her matrimony. Her husband consulted with his advisors and these advisors advised him to put his wife away. And these advisors were still there in the time of Esther. These friends that talk to some of our husbands. Some of your husband are friends that they talk to that are advising them contrary in your matrimony and if you don't have wisdom to relate with your husband these friends will destroy your marriage and bring in another woman into your matrimony to some of them it could even be their parents with their your in-laws and you need wisdom not to quarrel with your in-law but to see how god can help you to befriend them and at the same time befriend your husband so the same man Vashti was married to was the same man Esther was married to later on. A man who will sign a contract without Esther's knowledge. And even though this contract was going to have an adverse effect upon his wife, this same man was the man Vashti married to and Vashti would not take it down. And Vashti would clearly say no to him publicly. And that became the doom of Vashti. This same man now in the hand of Esther became a man that was asking, what shall I do for you? Up to the half of my kingdom, I will give to you. Wow. There are characters and there are character. Esther was a woman that the Lord has helped her to deny self. You know, she said, if I perish, I perish. That was a woman who have gone to the foot of the cross. That was a woman who have gone to the cross. She has put herself aside. She didn't care what the queen king says about her or what the king don't say. She didn't care whether the king sees her or not. Yes, it's very draining emotionally to have a husband that you will not talk to, you will not speak to, you will not have anything to do with for 30 days. Yet Esther did not allow that to affect her emotionally. This same king in the hand of Esther became a king that is saying, what shall I do for you? Up to the half of my kingdom, I will offer. Esther was a woman that learns to undo matter first on her knees. She learned to pray. She learned to fast for her husband. She learned to get solution from God, not from men first. 
she learned to take the matter that faces her in her matrimony before God. This same woman was the one Vashti got married to and in a jiffy, Vashti was the post. If you read that Esther chapter 1 verse 19, it says, If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes that it be not altered that Queen Vashti come no more before King Ahasuerus and let the king give a royal estate unto another that is better than she. May that not be your portion. May your matrimony not be given to another woman who is better than you. God knows that you can fit into your husband's situation, into your husband's conduct, into your husband's behavior. That is why he has packaged you into his life. Don't let another woman come and do well what you are unable to do in your husband's life. You know, the scriptures in Proverbs 18 to 22 says, Also findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtained favor of the Lord. Are you seeing? You are favor from the Lord to your husband. You are a good thing to your husband. Don't let another woman come and take your place, just as Esther replaced Vashti. And the husband that Vashti couldn't deal with, the husband that outsiders have to be telling what to do to his wife, became the husband that was listening to whatsoever Esther wanted. You go back and read that book of Esther, chapter 7, chapter 8, and you know, just read all the entire book of Esther, and you will see how this man called Ahasuerus became a man who kept asking Esther, Esther, what would you want me to do? I will do it for you. I will do that. He became a man that was kind of dancing to the tune of his wife. How did Esther accomplish that? She accomplished that as she first lowered herself. The Bible says God receives the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Maybe you are a very proud wife. I have seen stories. I have seen people actually who lost their marriage and another woman got married to their, to their husband. And the husband they've complained is this, is that the husband they could not manage. Another wife, another woman came in, married to their husband, enjoying their husband, enjoying their married matrimony, you know, handling that same husband that they found difficult to handle. I am praying that it will not be too late for you to buckle up, to trust God to help your life first and in order to be a help to your husband. Um, I don't know what may be happening in your own marriage. I don't know what your marriage story might be but one thing that i know if you work with godly people and they show you the part of life they can step in to help you where there is emotional physical psychological abuse they will show you the right thing to do they will help whereby you are not physically damaged or emotionally damaged arise and seek help for godly people so that they can work with you to rescue you, to rescue your home, to rescue your marriage, and to rescue the plan of God for your matrimony. Don't let it be too late. Don't let it be when another woman now steps into your husband's life, doing for your husband what you couldn't do. May your bishopric not be given to another. May your home not become the home of another woman. 
May the Lord establish you in your marriage and may your marriage fulfill the plan and the purpose of God even for a time like this. Amen. This is Women in Revival podcast. One week ago, we continued a series learning from wives in the Bible. Our sub-series is Esther, when a Christian woman marries an unbeliever. And our topic for today is, Esther won her husband's heart. In the end, Esther won her husband's heart, not by her own power or by her own might or wisdom, but by the Lord. Sister, I pray that this series has been a blessing to you. And I pray that you can take some points and some tips from this series and put them into practice in your daily life. Deborah Shinobi will now help us close up the sub-series, Esther, when a Christian woman marries an unbeliever. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this series and how you've helped us. We praise you, Lord. As you've brought us to the end of this series, I am praying that beyond this series you will go and enlarge matter in the heart of every wife that has gone through this lord you know the state of their marriage and i'm praying that you will make the woman going through this a wise woman who will build her house thank you lord jesus in jesus name amen i want to welcome you back to this series particularly this sub series number eight esther when a christian woman is married to a non-believer and um, I thank God for what we've seen from the life of Esther. And I want to encourage you, maybe you are a Christian woman who got married to a non-believer or you were once a non-believer and your husband was unbeliever and now you are born again and you are having struggles in your matrimony. I am praying that the Lord will give you wisdom as to how to conquer the life and the heart of your husband for Christ. It is possible. It might take time, but it will take patience and humility from your end. It is possible. And today, we are finishing this series, and I just want us to look at she won her husband's heart. Esther won the heart of her husband. And if Esther could win the heart of her husband, this was an impulsive man, a man who takes instruction from other people's hand concerning his wife. Yet, we are going to see that Esther won even her husband's heart. Let's go to the book of Esther again. We will read chapter 8, a few verses in chapter 8, and I will quickly read from verse 1. On that day did the king Asherah give the house of Amon, the Jews' enemy, unto Queen Esther the queen, unto Esther the queen, and Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Nestor set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Are you seeing the king Ahasuerus now? Are you seeing what he's doing for Esther and Nestor's family? And I think some of you also, maybe you have an unbelieving husband who is not helping you. You have need of support for your family, your, maybe your parents, and he's not supporting and you are stealing his money behind to be given to your family. Don't do that. 
go before the Lord. The Lord is able to conquer his heart and the help you are seeking for your family. God can offer it even to your family beyond your imagination. So we are seeing even King Ahasuerus taking off his ring, the ring he gave to Haman, now giving it to Mordecai. And verse 3 says, And Esther spake yet again before the king and fell down at his feet. Are you saying, I love this young woman. She understood royalty. She understood protocol. She went on her knees for her husband. And some of your husband love to be so much respected and you are denying your husband respect. You are saying he doesn't deserve my respect. Well, if he doesn't deserve your respect, one day we find a woman outside whom he deserved the woman's respect. Then you will want to offer him respect and he will say no. And that your respect will no longer be useful. So you want to be a wise woman, a godly woman. Esther fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Aman the Agagite and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Then the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king. Oh, what a wife! I am praying that the Lord will find each and every one of you a godly wife. I'm not saying what your husband may be doing is right, but I am saying as a wife in the marriage, God can help you to help your husband. If you look at verse 7, the Bible says in that Esther 8 verse 7, that then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen, and to Mordecai the Jew, behold, I have given Esther the house of Amon, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as they like it you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name, and sealed with the king's ring, may no man reverse. I think I will stop in this verse 8. So we are saying, a man who used to dance to the tune of other men concerning his matrimony became a man who is dancing to the tune of his wife. A man who used to be ruled by third parties as to how to deal with his wife became a man who is listening to his wife's cry, who is listening to his wife's petition. So that means there is something in a woman that can actually temper the heart of a man. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3 and I will read from verse 1 to 6. And it says, In like manner, I'm reading from the Amplified now, you married women be submissive to your own husbands. Are you saying, be submissive to your own husbands. Don't compare your husband to another person's husband. It is your own husband. So, amplify, amplify it this way. Subordinate yourselves as being secondary to and depended on them. That was what Esther did. And adapt yourselves to them. That was what Esther did. She adapted herself to her husband. She knew her husband loved food and she made that available for him. It goes on, so that even if any do not obey the word of God, they may be won over, not by discussion, but by the godly lives of their wives. God wants your life to be a godly one for your husband. God wants you to live an exemplary life 
before your husband so that when they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourselves together with your reverence for your husband you are to feel for your husband all that reverence includes to respect defer to revere him to honor esteem appreciate prize and in the human sense to adore him that is to admire praise be devoted to deeply love and enjoy your husband let not yours be the merely external adorning with elaborate interweaving and nothing of the hair the wearing of jewelry or changes of clothes are you saying don't just focus on oh i need to look beautiful for my husband you've done all of this beauty thing yet you are not getting your husband's attention you know i'm not saying don't dress well we saw esther she wore the royal robe before going in before a king so also don't let yours just be about your dressing 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 and you lack character i'm praying the lord will help you so verse 4 says but let it be the inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit which is not anxious or wrought up but is very precious in the sight of god for it was those that the pious women of old who hoped in god were accustomed to beautify themselves and were submissive to their husbands adapting themselves to them as themselves secondary and dependent on them it was thus that sarah obeyed abraham following his guidance and acknowledging his headship over her by calling him lord master leader authority and you are now a true daughters if you do right and let nothing terrify you not giving way to hysterical fears or letting anxieties unnerve you and that is my prayer for you that you will be true daughters of god in whose conduct in whose behavior your unbelieving husband will come to know christ it can be difficult i know but may your life be a mirror of jesus unto your husband so that through you your husband will come to faith in the in, in our lord jesus don't be terrified don't be fearful don't be anxious release the challenge that is affecting you in your relationship with your husband into god's hands and as you do so god knows how to step in don't forget i've told you seek the input of a godly older woman who can help you who can support you who can counsel you who can lead you aright until christ rules 